From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. We are live on 89.7 FM here in Tallahassee and streaming online at wvfs.fsu.edu. I'm your host, Gary Putnick, and I don't know if you guys know this, but March is filled with madness. We got analysis and a preview of FSU's uh, and men's and women's uh, next games as they come around the corner very quickly. Got that one. Nailed it. Sick. <laughs> but I want to know from you guys. Raise your hand. How many of your brackets are busted? Now put them down because I don't care. No one cares. Just kidding. Yeah. How's your bracket looking? It's awful. Uh, me and Gary and a few other people here at the station were in a pool uh, for just the V89 guys. And my finals in my uh, national championship pick in that bracket was Iowa versus Illinois. So I, I was looking pretty decent through the first round. I, I think I went like 22 and 10 over the first two days. But these past two days with uh, both my championship picks going out is just uh, have, having me root for chaos instead. Oh, yeah. Jack? I haven't looked at my bracket since I made it. It's probably for the best, honestly. Yeah. Let's, let's be real. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm just doing okay right now. There's nothing too great to watch. I mean, like it's it's just it's a mediocre bracket. It's a mediocre year for myself. So, can't really pat myself on the back at all, really, for this year. Sebastian, your bracket. I had Ohio State and the LNI on one side of the bracket. Oof. Ask me anything. Oof. <laughs> if Oof. I sound like I'm broken, I'm broken. <laughs> well, yeah. If that's if that if you don't encapsulate the majority of people who fell out of bracket this year, I don't know what really could. It's okay though. Bam, Bama and Gonzaga are still in, so the show goes on, baby. The show goes on. Exactly. Bama has actually a very, very favorable route to the Elite Eight, considering they'll have to either take on an 11 seed, a 10, or a 14 on their way there. So pretty nice for them as they kind of move forward as, uh, as the tournament progresses. But Let's start with FSU men's basketball. They had their first round game on Saturday afternoon. They took on UNC Greensboro, the Spartans, and they came out with a 10-point win. But it really didn't feel like a 10-point win. FSU was 0 for 9 from 3, 0 for 8 in the first half, 0 for 1 in the second half. Just awful shooting, really, by FSU. Just sloppy play all around for the most part, but they were able to get the job done And as they built themselves a lead in that first half. It gave them a little bit of cushion, even though Isaiah Miller and the Spartans really did a good job of roaring back to close out that half. Austin, what did you really see from this game, and do you have any sort of confidence for this team going forward? I do have confidence, but one of my biggest takeaways from this game is just how much this team moved away from the three-point shot in the second half because, I mean... 0 for 8 is obviously not going to impress anybody, and I can definitely see where Coach Ham and the guys would come from in saying, this element of our game is not working whatsoever, so just move away from it, feed Balsa or whoever in the post, and uh, get points that way. But I, I can't remember who said this, but they said that going, I think it was 0 for 10 is, is better than going 0 for 30, because if you go 0 for 10, then you stop shooting. So <laughs> that that's the kind of logic that I would apply, just like keep keep pushing it until it works, because... There are some very good, very seasoned three-point shooters on this team. Anthony Polite comes to mind, MJ Walker. So, uh, I mean, obviously this is a, a, a win-or-go-home situation, so the coaching may have mandated that you just go to what is reliable, what's been working for you so far in the game, but I would have liked to see a, a little more incorporation of the three ball in the second half. Yeah, but when it's not working, when you can re- I, see the writing on the wall, are I, I, they, they going to fall? Like, would they ever fall? <laughs> I, th- they may have. I, I mean, don't know. We don't know. Yeah, they they stopped shooting, so we, we we never found out. Yeah, but true. So, but here's a stat for you. So FSU is the eighth team since 2009 to not make a three pointer in an NCAA tournament game, but 
prior to uh, Saturday's game, the last team to not make a three-point shot was Kentucky and win a game was Kentucky in their first-round win over Davidson in 2018. So it's something that doesn't happen too often, and when a team does it, it's really because they have great big men down low. And Kentucky usually does have some solid big men and are able to muscle their way around certain teams. Jack, other than the three-point shot, what was one thing that stuck out to you about this game and really could make a factor in their next game against Colorado tonight? I think uh, just the players, with, they, had, they had a really quiet night. Besides Raekwon Gray putting up 17 points, Copravita getting feeded well, 13 points, 9 rebounds. MJ Walker had 6 assists, 4, four points, and 1 rebound. That that does bother me a little bit, and I understand I, I don't want to go back to the three-point shot here, but the 0-for-9 the 0 three-point statistic, that that's jarring, and Colorado's going to look at that and feel pretty good about themselves. Certainly, and you bring up MJ Walker, that's a great point. He didn't have his best game of that night uh, in the tournament, but he did twist his ankle, I believe, in the was that was second half there? Early in the second half, he twisted yeah. his ankle, but he returned shortly after. Mm-hmm. But still, not a great performance out of MJ. If FSU, needs, if FSU is going to win this game against Colorado, that's tonight at 745 on TBS if you're interested in that. FSU is going to have to incorporate and have MJ Walker be more of the uh, focal point of this offense tonight. It's going to be imperative for them to do that, and it cannot just be the Raekwon Gray show. I love Raekwon Gray to death, but he's not the only part of this offense that needs to be going at this time. Exactly, and I would throw Scotty Barnes in there too because he's been really the facilitator. Uh, They've kind of forced him into the point guard position, and he was ecstatic to play it coming into FSU, but... uh... He has not had the the best handles, I would say, especially when running the offense, uh, making a few uh, a few too many passes late in possessions. So, I mean, he had four turnover, uh, five turnovers actually in this game off the bench, uh, and that's that was an issue for him in the two ACC tournament games. So, just uh, MJ Walker, like you said, is going to have to be the focal point, the facilitator, because he's the most seasoned member of FSU here. He has the most experience running these sets that uh, Hamilton is playing out. So. I would definitely say lean on your your veteran uh, experience here. Jack, who's another player that FS, that people or that FSU needs to have step up for them to make an impact in this game? I think uh, just not a really specific player, but the entire bench. The entire bench did not have a great performance, and if um, if this team wants to go far and really to win any championship, you need to have a good bench. And I believe um, the the bench didn't even put up. Uh, besides, I believe. I believe was Koprovitsa off the bench, but I'm sorry. He was Kope. not. He was starting. He was yeah. starting. The bench didn't, was not productive for them, and they relied on Raekwon Gray, as you said. So, and it's uncharacteristic for a Florida State team, our Florida, the the, the, the Florida State team, to uh, do that. So, weird, weird, uh, weird afternoon. But they got through, and I guess that's all that matters. So. Yeah, the Seminoles had 17 bench points, which is really not what you see. I mean, sometimes you see Scotty Barnes have a ton of points uh, in not really relief, but in place of Raekwon Evans, who doesn't really stuff the stat sheet that much. But even then, 4.6 points, 3 points, 4 points, uh, 0 for Wyatt Wilkes, even though that was just one shot. So, I mean, the the depth, like you said, Jack, is really one of the, the hallmarks of this team. So I would definitely look for a rebound performance from a guy like Sadar Calhoun, because that's another guy that is really, really good from three. Uh, can can make the mid-range jumpers every now and then too. So if there was one guy that I would have to pick to have sort of a rebound and uh, lead this team off the bench, that would be him. I would be looking a lot towards Malik Osborne. Malik Osborne looked good in the ACC tournament, and I really do believe he's still coming into some of his better play right now. He really is looking at his best at this moment. I know he shot pretty well in the UNC game from beyond the arc, so maybe he gets a few jumpers in this evening, but 
yeah, that's a great. Those are great points by both of you there about the bench because this is, that's a huge part of this team, and they all average over ten minutes a game most of the time, and so if you can't have those guys pro- producing in those minutes that they're getting when they get a big chunk of them, you're killing a lot of the offense. Because I remember at one point in that first half, FSU could not get anything moving, and I'm pretty sure the lineup looked something like Tanner or Tanora and Gom, Wyatt Wilkes, Anthony Polite. Um, not Evans. Evans wasn't in the game, and Sadar Calhoun and a few and a one or two other guys there, and it it just didn't work. They had no flow. They had no rhythm. They could not just get the ball moving around in the right spots. And I know uh, in the second half too, uh, UNC Greensboro they switched to the zone, a two-three zone, and that really put some clamps on this team. How worried are you guys of the two-three zone? Because we've really seen the teeth of it this tournament. Because every team has been running it, especially Syracuse. And it hurts. Yeah, we've seen a ton of teams running it, and that was really the the big thing that Ham circled out or pointed out in their championship loss to Georgia Tech is that 2-3 zone was just eating up FSU's offensive possessions. They didn't have any certainty in their offensive sets. They didn't know what they were going to do, didn't have the best ball handles. So if that Georgia Tech game is in the latter half of this UNCG game is really any any indication of what FSU is going to be facing going forward, because obviously these teams have watched FSU's games. They know FSU's weakness and they know what they want to run at what points of the game. Um, If Colorado and any other team that FSU may play down the road notice this and say, hey, let's just run this the entire game, it could get ugly for for FSU. Yeah, certainly. Speaking of Colorado's defense, they're coming in with a 70. They give up 73 points a game. FSU, on the other hand, gives up on average 54 points a game. Two different conferences, I know. One runs a lot faster. One doesn't play as good on defense. It's kind of a mirror of their football football (laughs) conference as well. But still, they score 73.8 points a game, too, so they can really put it on. I mean, FSU only averages 78.3, so right around there, too. But one thing that I find very interesting looking at ESPN right now, on their matchup predictor, they have Colorado as the favorite. 52.9% chance of winning FSU, 47.1. How much stock are you guys putting into that, Jack? Into the matchup predictor itself, not not terribly much, but I'm not feeling very good about FSU tonight. If that's you, what what do you not feel good about them about? What certainly what little point is it? it it's the it's the zero for nine three points today, and I know it's been oh. cleared up, but just you could argue like you know they won, and that's all that matters. But if you go zero for nine or anything remotely close to that again, you're you're done for. If you you could do that against UNCG, but if you do that against if had they play, had this night come or had this come up any other any other team deeper in the tournament, FSU would have been done for. Well, you make a good point there because Colorado did have their best three-point shooting game in that first-round game against Georgetown. They shot 64% from three-point land. That is insane, and yeah. you do not see too many teams doing that these days. But granted, that's also their best three-point shooting game of the year. FSU had their worst three-point shooting game of the year, like Jack just mentioned. Odds are regression of the mean usually happens at this point one team reaches a peak one team reaches the bottom of a valley some and then they meet in the middle somewhere so don't really expect i don't i don't expect the three-point shooting woes to carry over as much as a lot of people think mainly because i think leonard hamilton didn't let them get into that shooting lull and go down like i know some people say that some people some people say uh, you got to swing out of a slump when it comes to baseball at least you got to swing out of a slump you got to shoot out of it somehow you can't just stay there and be stagnant. And I think there's truth to that. But, too, like, if it's not working, don't go to it. Yeah, that's a super fair point and one that I didn't really consider when I was uh, giving the little spiel at the top of the show. But uh, 
as far as the three-point shooting right now, I, I definitely agree. It's a big concern. I agree with Jack in that regard because this is not – it's not something you can really fix over the course of a day. Like so, some nights, there are just going to be nights where the shots aren't falling, and that's one thing. But uh, for this for this to, uh, to increase, to improve for FSU by any uh, – encouraging uh, margin. I don't know what I was trying to say there. Uh, for this to get back to normal for FSU, uh, that's something you really work on during the week. When you have games on Tuesday and Saturday, you work on that uh, in those three or four days that you have before the next game. You have one game or one day between these two games. So that is a really tight period in which you have to get a lot better than you were on Saturday. And I would not be surprised if FSU, FSU comes out a little bit cold. Not over 9 cold, but uh, just, just I, I'm, I have reason to be skeptical. Well, you can even say that too for Colorado. When they're coming in, they're feeling hot. They're feeling like they, their shot's right where they want it to be right now. They might come out a bit too confident and start overshooting and get themselves into a yeah. hole early on because they're not going deep into possessions. They're not trying to work the ball low. They're not trying to do all the little things that you might need to be doing, especially in a tournament. And they're just trying to jack threes. And some of them might hit, but yeah. at other times, they could just go on a cold spell and they might not know what to do because they shoot the three a lot. They have... Three guys, I believe three guys right now that are in or over 40% from three-point land this season. So that's really impressive stuff out of them. But sometimes those guys just, they might, like FSU, they might have a bad game. It's yeah. just kind of how it goes. It's it's the, it's the it's crazy because the NCAA tournament, it feels like every single game is a coin flip this year. Yes. All because not as many fans. It's all over the place. Everyone's in the bubble. It's, it's just kind of that weird aspect of the season. But... Uh, let's let's get into a little bit of predictions for this game because this game will be starting in about 30 minutes on TBS 7:45 tip off. We're gonna try and give you as much pregame for this. We're gonna dip into a little bit of the women's game next after their game against Oregon State. Let's talk a little bit about FSU baseball and softball, and then on the other half, right before we get into the FSU game, we will be talking about the tournament at large and all that. So, Jack, let's start with you. What's your pick for this game? I can't get past it. I'm going to take Colorado because if they get anywhere close or if if they get any close to what they were shooting, FSU doesn't have a shot. And to be honest, you can pay me to say the Knolls will pass the Buffaloes. Wow. Because I don't care if you Ooh. go six, 17 for 6 in the season. You are as good as your last game in the tournament. And FSU win was horrible. <laughs> I, I have a little more optimism. I think FSU is going to win this game. I think they are going to win it in pretty similar fashion to Saturday's game. Just another aggravating grind it out not sure if it's over until it's actually over type game uh, because Colorado is definitely a tier above UNCG I think FSU uh, with the coaching from Coach Ham and with the with the adjustments that these guys have been able to show throughout the season like they've they've had bad losses like to Georgia Tech in the regular season and they've come back stronger after that I think they can make some of the adjustments necessary to, to, to put on a better performance but uh, the three-point shot may or may not be there I have no clue um, but it, it is definitely going to be uh, a close game that FSU squeaks out. FSU for this game is their the biggest focus on defense for this FSU team. If they're playing a man defense, at least, is to close out on passes to the three point line and force the shooters off the three point line. If they can do that, obviously Colorado that means less three point shots for them. That means they have to go up against FSU's bigger guys in the paint and inside yep. the three point line. So. If they can do that, I got FSU winning. FSU, I had it on my shirt on Saturday. Grit, dare to win ugly. Florida State did that on Saturday. It's gonna. Florida State will win ugly again tonight. So we got one on the Buffs, two on the Knolls. Sebastian, are you making a prediction? Or are you abstaining like always? I prefer not to speak. Okay. If Fair. I speak, I'm in big trouble. And I don't <laughs> want to be in big trouble. 
little Jose Mourinho uh, cut there for the folks that don't know at home, because <laughs> I assume there's probably not too many who know that. Right. But still, so we got two for Buffalo, uh, or sorry, one for the Buffaloes, two for the Knolls. Uh, we will jump now into the women's side of the women's bracket, because Florida State, they had their first game, the 8-9 matchup against the 8-seed Oregon State Beavers. Oregon State killing it on both sides, or both men's and women's. They will be taking, or Florida State had a pretty, lack, I call it a lackluster, lackluster performance. Yeah, that's, lackluster, yeah. Lackluster. generous. I mean, yeah, I guess that's fair, really, in a way. But still, FSU did not look too hot. They ended up losing their first round game, 83-59. to So their season is over. But that doesn't take away the accomplishments that this team had this year. This is the toughest year for this women's program, arguably in its history, because Sue Samrao decides to leave or a little bit before the season to take a leave of absence to go be with her mother as she deals with her illnesses. And then the women's team had lost, was it close to 60, over 60% of their offense from the previous season. Mm-hmm. So they had a lot to work with. And Coach Brooke Wyckoff had a ton on her plate. And they made it through it. They made it through the tournament. They made it there. And that's a huge plus for this team. And I really do believe this is going to make them stronger going forward. But speaking a little bit more about that game that do you have anything to really give on that because i don't know if there's really that too much to call home about there's really not no i mean it was a close affair for the first few minutes but you just look at the, the progression of the game uh, oregon state was able to, to make more shots fall over time it got progressively more out of hand as the game went on so that really speaks to the, the lack of experience the lack of tournament experience in particular on this team because there's a bunch of underclassmen that's something we're going to touch on in a couple minutes or at least i want to mm-hmm. um when we're talking about outlook for the future but this team hadn't been there before. This coaching staff hadn't been there before, really. And it, it makes sense that they were just flamed out in the first round. But like you said, they have a lot to be to be proud of. Exactly. And, well, let's talk about that now. Who are some players that you're looking forward to next season? Because I know there's some bright spots looking forward on this roster. Yeah, definitely one is just Bianca Jackson because she was able to lead the team in scoring for a lot of this this last stretch. Um, and really, the the only player that is uh, that this team is going to lose to graduation is Tiana England because she's uh, a, a graduate transfer senior. This was her only year with the program. She came on. She had an injury at the start of the season, uh, came on and contributed some minutes and points late in the season. But that that's really the only piece they're losing, and they they're going to bring in theoretically good players as well. So uh, I mean, t- to play alongside Bianca Jackson, uh, Morgan Jones is someone that I'm looking forward to to have. A bit of a resurgence because yep. she was she was good in like 2018 2019 not so much this past season she was really streaky but uh bianca jackson and morgan jones are my two picks really yeah those are for sure the big answers i like morgan jones as well to bounce back mm-hmm. next season obviously she didn't have the best one this year she had four points in that loss to oregon state on sunday evening but yeah it's it's tough it's going to be interesting to see how this team kind of reacts and plays once uh Semrau is back in the driver's seat at the helm there but Jack, is there anything that you got on this team season and or just looking forward to next year? Uh, just, I, I actually want to look more into the game because if, you, if you've been following this team, you'll, you'll see this is just kind of a standard game and how they've standardly lost, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Because this team will start the first quarter well. It was tied 16-16, but it's always the second quarter. They gave up 25 points in the second, and they only put up 11, putting themselves in a 14-point hole. And the Knolls have, been, have shown they cannot play catch-up well. Oregon State, nearly half all their 15, nearly half of all their shots, of their 15 rather, they torched the Knolls in rebounds, not so much offensively but defensively, 35 to 20 in defensive rebounds alone, and the Knolls didn't look up for it after the second quarter and outback. Like you guys said, 
a, a lackluster performance. And besides the, you know, good stats from Bianca Jackson, Morgan Jones, and Tiana England, no one was particularly had an, having an amazing night. The consistency is something that will have to be looked upon, and maybe that's uh, when the coach comes back. Yeah, certainly. And so I think it's about time to move on because, I don't know, do we have any last parting words for the 2020 to 2021 FSU women's basketball team? I do have one. Yeah. Uh, it's not a good one, but... Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, just one sentence. They never had more than a two-game win streak. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, that it, that's why we were saying this whole season we were preaching consistency, yep. and they could not achieve consistency through mm-hmm. uh, oh, for over a two-game stretch. Mm-hmm. That, that was our favorite buzzword. We feared that it would <laughs> that it would come to life in the ACs or the NCAA tournament, and uh, it did rear its ugly head. Yeah, they they just needed to win one. You just need to win one, survive in advance, go one and zero in your one game. So FSU was not able to do that. We now look forward to the offseason, and then FSU women's basketball coming back in the fall next year. So, or I guess this year, technically, it's still 2021. Jeez. Mm -hmm. But still, so, uh, yeah, so long, farewell, FSU (laughs) women's basketball. We'll see you in a little bit. But let's touch on now some FSU baseball because, was it three weeks ago, I think we went on a tirade on this team. We held nothing back. We went in on them because this team was bad at the time. Yes. Now, they're pretty darn good. They really turned it around. They went from being a top uh, projected top 10 team, according to at least one, I think it was Baseball America, had FSU as a number nine uh, ranked, the number nine ranked team in the nation going into the year. But then after some bad series against UNF, Pittsburgh, Virginia, they fell out of the rankings. They didn't look like they were going to be making it to the 40 win mark this year. It all looked to be going downhill. We were hitting the panic button. It was a mess over here. But... Since we hit the panic button, a resurgence has occurred in FSU baseball. I don't know what Meat is doing to these guys, but they are hitting the baseball right now. It, they, so that to go back on it, that uh, the game against uh, the series against Virginia Tech, they came into it. Virginia Tech had a lot of people in their stands. It was a very rowdy crowd, but FSU was able to find a way and win that series. They won 6-4 first game, lost 5 nothing the second game, and then 14-7 that game. And since that game, FSU, since that 14-7 win, FSU has yet to score less than nine runs in a baseball game and has yet to surrender more than two runs. They have given up four runs in their last four games and it is some it's nothing short but amazing and surprising really out of this team because this for at least for me they looked dead but what do you think has been the one maybe one possible thing that has really turned around this roster i mean it's it's not the flashiest thing but the starting pitching really because uh, there were some ridiculous numbers over this past uh, this past week against uf and miami i don't have the stats right here in front of me but the starting pitching was immaculate in those games uh, when guys got on base, they were just held on base. There was no advancement to be had, really. Um, so uh, Parker Messick, Connor Grady, those guys, they did a, they did a great job in the series against Miami. Uh, holding the, the number eight ranked Canes, right? I number believe. six ranked number Canes. Six At ranked least what Canes. I was seeing when I was watching the games on ESPN yeah. this weekend. But Yeah, so, so that, was, that was really good, stifling a really good team. Uh, and then obviously, uh, one other thing that I do want to point out is that we like to mention that in past years, this team lived and died by the home run. If they weren't hitting home runs, hitting stuff out of the park, they weren't scoring runs to begin with. That is not the case over this week because they were playing fundamental baseball. They were getting people on base, advancing the runners like you should, not having to rely on just big swings from Elijah Cabell or some of these guys that are really prone to that home run or strikeout mentality. 
Uh, and that was that was a really good development to see. It's something that, I, that Ham is definitely not Ham. We got Ham, meat. We got a lot of we got a lot of deli cuts over here at FSU. You, you, you can see where the confusion comes from. But yeah, this is something Meat was talking about at the beginning of the season that needed to improve fast, and it has. Yeah, and that's something we I at least I was going off about is that this team cannot hit to save yes, their life yes. and they and it's all because they were leaving the bat on their shoulder way too often. They have not struck out as many times in these past 5 games than they did the whole like they I swear I haven't looked at the exact numbers. I got to look at the splits, but FSU is not striking out right now. They I'm knocking on wood. I don't want to jinx them or anything. I'm not going to do that to them, but they're not striking out, and that's huge because they went into a lot of counts looking for strikeouts or looking for walks, and they would only get beat looking at a fastball or looking at a curveball falling in on the other side of the plate. And now that they're changing their approach to a little bit more of a, hey, let's just put the ball in play and see what happens. And we saw that a lot in that Florida game. In the first or second inning, FSU had just hit a ground ball to the shortstop. That got a run, that got a guy on because the shortstop bobbled it because these kids aren't perfect. These are 18, 19-year-olds. That are just out of high school and they might not be ready for a ball 95 off the bat there and so sometimes it might just take a weird hop but they're not professionals so just putting the ball in play works out a lot more than you think but jack is there anything else that you've seen out of this fsu baseball team that maybe has contributed to this turnaround um what hasn't been said that it's kind of what has already been said by austin but there are a few stats that have really like you know just it was the first win over the Gators in Tallahassee since I believe 2015. Uh, in that game, uh, freshman Carson Montgomery, who went to I went to the same high school as, nice. struck out nine in four innings, and the pitching as a whole it was decent in that game. 16 total strikeouts, and the bullpen gave up two runs, but we you digress. The hitting was <laughs> phenomenal. 13 hits, two rocket ships by Robbie Martin. It was just the game the goals the the Noles needed going into the South, going down South, and. And we saw it against Miami, the first game, 13-1, the biggest win between the two sides since FSU won 16-1 in 2006. And after the series, they are now 8-2 against top 20 opponents. And the starters, that entire series against Miami, only give up one uh, run the entire series. It, that That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, all that's, those stats are insane to think about because... I mean, you we can you can go listen to the show a couple of weeks ago when we just ripped into them, and it yeah. it's these are two different conversations that we're having because it's two different teams at this point, and I don't really, and this could obviously this is not sustainable. This is not yeah. something that we're looking to see for going forward. I mean, they this whole this past week their team ERA was one. Yep. Four games, four runs, one ERA. Pretty easy math to do there. That's the only time I can ever calculate ERA correctly off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> but going forward, they the schedule is starting to look pretty favorable, but that's when this team might start to let their guard down a little bit because they're going to get up for Florida. They're going to get up for Miami, and they're going to get up when the crowd is getting down their back uh, in Virginia Tech. But how are they going to do on against UCF on a Wednesday night in Tallahassee? That's the next game they have coming up here. That's going to be a test because UCF is one of those teams that sneaks up on a lot of the big programs here in the state. They sneak up on UF all the time. They can sneak up on Miami, FAU too as well. But still, that's a team that's done a really good job coaching. And I that's was it. I think his name is uh, Lovely. I think it's Lovelady. He's the head coach down in uh, uh, UCF. He's someone that I've liked. Kind of someone that I wanted to see FSU hire instead of me. Okay. Not gonna lie. So. He might he might prove me right or wrong this weekend or this after or Wednesday afternoon evening hour in uh, Tallahassee. But 
going forward, what is one thing that you that you're kind of pinpointing maybe needs to improve? Because this this isn't perfect by any means right now. Still, is can you find anything that needs to be improved at this point? I mean, based on this past weekend, nothing really comes to mind because one thing that you would say is errors. I think they committed one error over this entire series against Miami. I think I believe I saw that on Twitter from Brett Nevitt. Uh, he does a really good job covering the the baseball program in, in particular, but. Errors, that's something you think of in college baseball uh, just as a whole because guys aren't really refined yet. They do make a lot of those uh, infield errors, as you said, that really uh, encourages guys to try and put the ball in play. Um, But, I mean, that's really hasn't been an issue recently. I would just say keep that up. Yeah, and one thing that I kind of want to see staying consistent there is Parker Messick's swing. Yeah. Because he doesn't go in there trying to draw walks. Every single time I see this kid go up to the plate, he's a pitcher DHing, by the way. He got his first start in that uh, Sunday game against Virginia Tech. He goes out there swinging to do damage to a baseball. And that's the kind of guys that really can make a difference. And once he came in, FSU hasn't, like I said, FSU hasn't scored less than nine runs in a baseball game. So that's truly impressive. And maybe maybe it was just Messick that was the spark for this team. Seeing a pitcher get in there really can inspire some of these other hitters. Like, hey, if this pitcher's taking a, one guy's job, what's saying another pitcher can't take mine? <laughs> so everyone might be on the hot seat. I feel like that could have been what Meat said. No one is, no one's job is safe. Everyone's still competing for a job at this point in the season. But I think we're going to cut it there short on the FSU baseball talk because we are right up at the break here. We are going to come back on the second half talking a little bit about FSU softball some March Madness in uh, large talk, and then get into some a little bit of the NBA to close out the show. So you are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. Welcome back to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. I'm your host, Gary Putnick, and I'm joined by Austin Reynolds, Sebastian Angel Riano, and Jack Oliaro. 
Nailed it again. Boom. <laughs> Still on fire. I appreciate it. But we left you off in the first half talking a little bit about FSU baseball and their hot streak that they are on right now. And we're going to get into a little bit of the uh, FSU softball team and their hot their their run as well because they've been playing some solid softball at this moment. They, they came out. They had a little bit of a COVID issue uh, for teams, I believe. I think it was the teams that they were supposed to play. I don't think it was yeah. internal. So they had some quick rescheduling to do on their half. But they made the most of it, and they were able to get some solid wins. Maybe not against the top-tier ACC talent that they'd be expecting, but still wins nonetheless, and still they were able to continue playing, which is huge and something that has really hurt a lot of teams across all sports this year. So they had their games against UNC postponed, and they were able to then uh, schedule some games against uh, Kennesaw State, Auburn, Kennesaw State again, (laughs) Auburn again, and so they were able to get some good playing there. And SEC softball is nothing to scoff at. Neither, I'd assume, I don't know yeah. too much. I can be, I'll be honest. I don't know much about Kennesaw State softball. I know a little bit more about the baseball scene, but do you uh, know something about their softball? I don't know anything about their softball team. I just, uh, that was one of the uh, few colleges that I like toured and was considering going to out of high school. Because <laughs> it was just like maybe 30 minutes from my house. They're a good, good school. I have some yeah. family who went there actually. So yeah, go Owls. Owls as well, just like yes, FAU. Sir. But still, so... They were able to get some wins there. They the only game out of those four that they dropped was their their last game on Sunday against Auburn, two to one. But still, this team is hitting the ball very well, and that's a huge contributing factor. But not only hitting the ball well, they're pitching well too. Kalen Arnold still out there. This Catherine uh, Catherine Sandercock, they got a lot of great pitchers. What's what have you seen? Really, that same thing. Uh, we we mentioned Kalen Arnold and Catherine Sandercock. Really, I feel like every time we talk about the softball team, and it's for good reason because. I obviously, I mean, I don't watch a ton of softball, but I do hear their names come up in a lot of conversations. They are among the best pitchers in the ACC right now, and they are going to be, in my opinion, the the two players that really fuel this team to some of their greater heights this season. If they're going to get to a World Series, it is going to be off the backs of those two pitchers. Yeah, and it's... It's interesting because obviously those are the pitchers and those are the players that we expected to come up big, but when you look at the hitting lineup, some of the players that you aren't expecting or that you might be expecting aren't at the top of the uh, roster right now. You have Sidney Sherrill, Danny Morgan, Anna Shellnut all in the bottom four right now of batting average, uh, at least out of the main starting, uh, main players you get a lot of the playing time. But uh, Kylie, or I think it's Kylie Harding, she is killing it right now, 327 average. She's played in 21 games, and she has seven doubles, 16 hits, 12 RBIs, and 23 total bases in this during this season. So it's interesting because that's not a name that you particularly expect. And she's followed by Elizabeth Mason, who's also a phenomenal player. She's leading the team in home runs uh, with four this season, uh, followed by Cassidy Davis uh, with three. So it's really interesting to see everyone kind of step up and pull their own weight because usually it's it comes a lot of time where it's who's the usual suspect. We got Anna Shellnut and they got Sydney Sherrill, Danny Morgan. It's all They're usually there, but right now they're not. Yeah, and that's that's another good reason that this team could go far because, I mean, coming into this season, FSU was rated highly probably be, be a large uh, in large part. Let's see if I can get that out. Uh, <laughs> in, in large part because of Sidney Sherrill and Anna Shellnut. They have this reputation for being clutch hitters. They have been instrumental in FSU's postseason runs in years past, but it's really the, contribu- the contributions, like you said, from these other players that really weren't on anybody's radar that is keeping this team afloat and keeping them in as good of a position in the ACC as they're in. So... You have to figure for these two these two players, the the usual suspects, like you said, uh, that are in slumps right now, you have to figure they will get back to their old selves eventually. They're not going to have, like, 
bottom four hitting seasons for uh, they probably would not be able to live with themselves if that if that happened just because of how like the their reputation that they have so far so once they heat up uh, this team could go uh, really far yeah and they're gonna have a they're gonna have a fairly easy schedule kind of coming about they got uh boston college bottom of the table for the uh, acc softball notre dame uh not particularly high they're six and six in the conference at the moment then followed by duke so once they get to duke after syracuse not too great either but Duke is going to be a good test. Duke is leading the conference right now, 12-1 and in the conference, 24-1 and overall. So that's going to be, a, that's going to be a, a series to mark on your calendar as we move forward. Yeah, and it'll be good for FSU to get back into ACC play as well because with this UNC schedule or UNC uh, weekend series getting canceled, they haven't played an ACC opponent since their series against Virginia Tech in the, uh, the, the, the AC February. So uh, they are going to have, I think the rest of the way really is these four games over three days against an ACC opponent. I think that is the format of the schedule the, mm-hmm. the, for the whole season. So uh, going to be good practice for really uh, getting into the, the swing of things. How's the swing of things? Pun. Nice. <laughs> Out of boy. But, yeah, so FSU, they're going to have, yeah, like you said, you hit it all, nailed, the, nailed it right on the head there. But let's jump into now the March Madness, the rest of the men's March Madness tournament because a lot, a lot has happened this year. And I think a lot of it, I'm going to be real with you guys. I think a lot of what's happening, all this craziness, more than usual it feels like, is due to no fans or yes. the lack of fans, the 25% capacity at all the arenas in the state of Indiana. It's You don't have these teams, these bigger teams, with better with with fans who have more money to spend, with fans yeah. who might be more willing to go and travel. Because you're not going to get Abilene Christian drawing majority crowd there against uh, Texas. It's going to be a lot of Texas fans coming up the road or flying into town. So... I think that's really helped a lot of these smaller schools kind of uh, stick it to the man, so to say, in these first-round games. But speaking of those first-round games, who, who's been your favorite guy, Your favorite underdog wins so far this tournament? My favorite has been Ohio over Virginia. Uh, I, I had been saying leading up to the tournament that Virginia was not as good as their record or their seeding suggested just because it, it really started with that FSU game, not to be a homer or anything, but like they have not looked like the same team ever since then when FSU shellacked them. They, they lost a couple games. Uh, I think they lost three in a row, uh, including that FSU game. That was towards the back half of their regular season. Uh, they had a three-point win over, was it, was it Syracuse or Miami in the, the quarterfinals of the ACC tourney? I want to say Syracuse. Wait, yeah, I want to say Syracuse. Yeah, regardless, it was, a, it, it, was, it, it was a three-point win over a very, very low-seeded team in that tournament. So not the most impressive showing there. And that was the last we saw of them, thanks to their COVID scare uh, in the semifinals. So I was not high on the uh, the Cavs. And I, I did think that they would make it a little farther. I thought they would bow out in like the Sweet 16 or uh, the round of 32. But for them to underperform this badly, it's uh, it, it's vindication for me not thinking they were a great team. Oh, yeah. Jack, who would you like this weekend? Uh, it had to be only one team, and that is the 15th seeded Oral Roberts, mm-hmm. who... Got two straight wins over two big-time schools. Got it over the number two-ranked Ohio State, then over the number seven-ranked Florida Gators. And just this is what March Madness is all about. Yep. You get oh, yeah. these 15-seeded teams, and you, I, I do wonder, and you know, with the fans, would this have made a difference? And I'm starting to think that this is one of the best tournaments I've ever seen in a long time with all these, what is it, 10 upsets so far. So, and just to see, this is the biggest one probably, I think, Oral Roberts. It's so good for the tournament. This is what been needed because I think uh, college basketball hasn't been too followed because of the way it's been structured with all the postponements and COVID. 
and this is the big this is the big dance. Everyone's coming out for this, and there is a good showing for the NCAA. So it is huge for them that this is happening. Yeah, honestly, it really would have just sucked if it was just chalk all the way through it. Yeah. It's like, oh great, here we go, Ohio State coming in. There we go, Baylor. Obviously, Baylor won, but you get all the <laughs> the normal, the usual suspects winning. But you know what, my favorite underdog was the little guy. Syracuse, number 11 oh, Syracuse. <laughs> Here you go. I can't say it with a straight face. But honestly, I did enjoy the number 11. That was actually my favorite upset of the weekend. Uh, number 11 Syracuse taking down number 6 uh, San Diego State and then number 3 West Virginia in their games. I mean, Buddy Beheim. How do you hate them? You can't, but for the uh, for the San Diego State side of things, I have to feel for them because oh they, they, they were super highly ranked last year. They were like in line to get a two seed if the tournament actually went on. And then expectations were obviously high coming into this season just because of that unfinished business aspect. And they lose in the first round. That That is soul-crushing. We talked about earlier in the show, the zone. Zone defense, it is a killer, and it destroyed San Diego State. I turned it on with about nine minutes to go in the first half in that first-round matchup between Syracuse and San Diego State. And the Aztecs had, I believe, 18 points. Yeah. They did not score again for that first half. They finished <laughs> with 18 points. And I and they were winning. I was like, oh, great. I picked San Diego State to win. Here we go. We, we, can we, don't, we don't care about your bracket, Gary. Exactly. But I'm just saying, I was taking you into my mind how as okay. I watching that gotcha. game. And I said, great, this is going to be good for me. And then Syracuse came through, and it was crazy to watch, and I really enjoyed it. Like, I don't care that I lost my ga- that game or whatever, but I enjoyed watching it. And I've been rooting for Anarchy the whole time. I've been yeah. rooting for it since Friday. I love Anarchy in the tournament. It, Like, I love seeing the bottom half of the, we- of the what is it, the west bracket, or the east bracket, where FSU resides in right now, where the bottom is number 11, UCLA, number 14, Abilene Christian, number 10, Maryland, number 2, Alabama. It's not teams that you usually see, obviously UCLA, but a UCLA 11 seed, not too often. But has there been any other teams that you guys have been seeing that maybe aren't a true underdog or the number one seeds that you really think can make a deep push right now? Uh, like in that middle, is there anyone in that middle ground? Anyone? That, it, like I like I think yeah. a good example would be like neither FSU right yeah. now or Colorado because I, they're not true. They're not the true favorite or they're not the true underdog like Oral Roberts. Oregon is one that comes to mind. Uh, it, it would have been nice to see them against VCU in that first round, but obviously the the one COVID cancellation, it was a no contest, and Oregon went through. But they had a really, really good showing against Luca Garza's Iowa team today. Uh, I, I believe they held three of the Iowa starters to zero points, uh, and it was just Luca Garza and one other guy that were in double figures. So that was, that was a really good team, a, a really good win against uh, a team that many people thought would do a lot more damage. Uh, they were a two-seed for a reason, so... Oregon, if, if they keep this up, I, I believe they play Kansas next. Uh, Kansas or U, uh, USC, depending on who wins later tonight, mm-hmm. uh, could be a favorable matchup for them. Yeah. I'm liking Loyola. Oh, man. Ooh-wee. Yeah. yeah, I like that one, too. I mean, they're not a favorite. They're not an underdog. They've been to a Final Four in the past three years. And I don't see why they couldn't do it this year, to be honest, because they had a solid win over Georgia Tech. The big upset, probably actually my favorite upset um, on Sunday, I believe, was, I'm sorry, Saturday, was over Illinois, who I had going very far, but no one cares. <laughs> but just seeing sis- sister, just seeing sister, and uh, it became the big story of 2018, and this would be huge for the NCAA. It's another story. It's another big uh, talking point, and I don't see why they couldn't get into Final Four. They have one of the easier sides of the uh, one of the easier regions, and they're facing some quality teams, but nothing 
I couldn't I could see them going far, and I don't see why they couldn't make the final four again for the second time in three tournaments. Yeah, and they got the they got the favorable seating right, uh, the favorable spot too. I mean, I know Oregon State they are looking very good, especially coming off that Pac-12 title win a couple weeks ago. But yeah, they they really do have a good chance because either if they beat Oregon State in the Sweet 16, they're taking on the winner of my underdog Syracuse and Houston. I really. I think that's still favorable, too. I think I heard Sebastian just yell from the other <laughs> I, I room. Heard something. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, you, you look at Houston, they are the two seed, but they had a really, really unimpressive win over Rutgers yesterday. So I am not sold that that team is going to be able to do a ton of damage. So, I mean, people had said that Loyola was really, really underseeded heading into this tournament. They figured maybe like a five or a six seed was more appropriate considering they have the reputation. They were in the top 25 for a little bit, and Loyola is showing it. So I completely agree that they have a uh, a manageable road to the Final Four. I wouldn't put my money on it. I, I do still think that if there is going to be a run from this uh, from this side of the bracket, it is going to be maybe Syracuse that just keeps up their hot form. But uh, they have definitely been a fun to watch, a fun team to watch. A riveting Cinderella story. Yes, <laughs> that we already saw two years ago. Yeah, but again, here we go. <laughs> That's the Midwest region, right? Yes, that again. yes, sir. That, is, that it really is Houston's to lose. It it should be, but it sh- th- on paper it should be. Yeah, but I think at this point, once you get to the Sweet Sixteen, yeah. you got to cross out all those seedings and yeah. understand that those do not matter yeah. anymore. That, that that paper has been crumpled up and thrown in the trash bin like Friday night. Mm-hmm, exactly, because like you have, it's crazy how much carnage has occurred in that Midwest, and then you can look at the you look at the was it the the South where it's uh, Baylor at the top there. You have Baylor playing Villanova in the Sweet 16. Then you got number three, Arkansas, and then Oral Roberts. So, like, pretty, I'd say it's pretty normal for a March Madness. You got one high seed, and then you got the, the other two expected teams to really be there. So, it's it's pretty, it's just very interesting so far. And I know I know, I was joking, obviously, for the Syracuse uh, Cinderella, but <laughs> another one, another Cinderella worth mentioning, Ohio. Ohio taking yes. down uh, UVA. UVA was coming in with some bad COVID issues. They didn't practice or play. They got to the bubble the night before their game on Saturday evening. And uh, Ohio caught them on the right day at the right time. So credit to them. That was a really fun game to watch going down the stretch. And also, they have a TCC player on their team, a few players. I think Oregon State also has a TCC player. I believe his name is Tariq. But yeah, so what were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to say uh, the the, uh, the Ohio Cinderella run, it could be approaching midnight right now because they are down 13 to Creighton, 56-43 with, what is that, eight minutes and change yeah. left in the second half. So barring a, barring a really good run, it's going to be uh, the Creighton Blue Jays that are moving on again. Damn. But we got we have some other game, another a possible upset in the works right now, 322 left in the first half, LSU up by two on Michigan right now. I heard a lot of the uh, broadcasters on the pregame show today for a lot of the games saying that Michigan is the big upset uh, to watch out for today. I know it's – I kind of looked at it, I was like, come on, guys, you're really just doing that because everyone's – because the Big Ten's playing down right now, and I get that. They're not playing too well, but still, I think Michigan's – I don't know. I'm going to – I sound like the idiot here. I'm Michigan <laughs> – I'm like, oh, I just feel Michigan's playing at their best right now, but – I don't know. I I don't know. It can happen, but hey, it's 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 a literal coin flip. But who knows? We got FSU. I believe they're starting up right now. Yeah, they are. They are t- uh, just about two minutes into that game. Colorado is up two nothing right now. Oh, so so nothing really over. to speak on. It's yeah. over. That's that's why I put my head, hands on my head a couple minutes ago. I was like, no. <laughs> oh gosh, it's over two nothing. Oh, are they ever going to come back? Uh, going back to the Big Ten, I'd like to point out there's only two teams left 
from one of the most promising conferences going into here. Michigan is, like you said, down on LSU. And Maryland has to play the number two seed, Alabama, which many people have gone pretty far. Uh, Alabama, that is. So all this hype for the Big Ten and uh, nothing. Five uh, seven. One thing of note in that game so far, as the score is uh, moved to five to three in favor of Colorado. A three, a three, a three. Well, FSU I mean, has hit a three. I'm I mean, behind you, but that, still, that, FSU that, hit a three. Anthony Polite, he did. Yeah, that's nice. But <laughs> the uh, streak, the curse is over. <laughs> two turnovers already is that's what I was going to get. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's not good for FSU, but and still, there, I, there have been not many possessions in that game, so two turnovers is kind of kind of. I, I think there's been three. Three possessions so far. Because he scored on one, turned to over <laughs> on two. So that, that'll be something to keep an eye on going forward. We're three minutes into that one. 5-3 right now. Buffaloes are up on the Knolls. But let is there any other topics that, or any other storylines that you guys saw from this March Madness weekend, first, second rounds, that you want to bring up that we may have not touched on? Jack, awesome. Nope. All right. Nothing. Sweet. Let's talk about some NBA. NBA is... It been heating up as we uh, grow ever so closer to that uh, March 25th trade deadline. The, the Heat made a trade for Trevor Ariza. They sent Myers Leonard and a <laughs> second rounder for, I believe it was 2027. I think so. Over there. So good deal for the Heat. I like it. That helps the Heat in a spot where Myers Leonard was doing absolutely nothing and good riddance. See you, Myers. But. They did make an improvement there. Are there any other teams? Have there been? I know Blake Griffin got moved. Obviously, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Has there, have there been any other big trades that have happened in the NBA that we may have missed? I don't think so. Um, the, the Bucks. They did they get Eric Gordon? Is that right? Oh, oh no, man, that was a. I don't think so. Did they? I'm pretty sure they did. Let me see that. Um, I don't, see, this is how much I. I mean, once March Madness comes, all my attention gets directed to that. Yeah, I, was, I, I have. I have just been sort of completely tuned out from trades uh really i only pay attention when it gets close to the actual trade deadline so i i have nothing really to speak on there i don't see anything that says uh I, Eric Gordon tra- I see four teams who should pursue a trade for rockets eric gordon okay but i don't see anything saying that he has been traded jack did you see anything or is he got anything uh nothing to add on the player side but i can give a little insight to the uh, teams um the west is really interesting right now yes Jazz have gone five. They've gone five and five in their last games. Have the Bulls tonight, and have the Nets Wednesday. Two games against John the Grizz, so they could be teetering a bit. Suns have gone eight and two. Could steal the Western regular season crown because the Lakers have injuries, as most people know. To LeBron yeah. with LeBron and AD, they should probably take a slide because Kuzma's leading the charge. So that's gonna go well. <laughs> <laughs> what can go wrong, guys? Yep. Kuz and, control. Uh, <laughs> Somebody put that on a T-shirt. Ooh. I need that. I need oh, a Coos Control T-shirt. <laughs> That's that. amazing. Oh, that you really got to get on that now. Before, has have, did you steal I'm, that from I'm pretty, Twitter? I'm pretty sure somebody's already got dang, that. Yeah. Dang it. That could have been oh, that, some Lakers like fan. Would have been said on public radio anyway. So yeah. Dang. That would have been some good money for the dang. station right there. Obviously, we couldn't profit on it, but still, <laughs> hey, we could maybe make some money for the station. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, the LeBron. How much is that really going to hurt the Lakers, though? Like, granted. It yeah, no, but okay. Well, is he going to be? How long is he going to be out for? Three? Was it four weeks? It's gonna run till it's gonna run to the postseason. Ooh, yeah, there's it's gonna, okay. It be tight. I, I don't. I don't think there's even been a timetable set yet. The, the team just said he was yeah. out indefinitely. I guess I was looking more at the Lamelo like timetable. But yeah, no, actually, okay. That that they have a timetable. Lamelo doesn't. Yeah, really. I'm gonna walk that back a little bit more because okay, that is going to hurt them yeah. a lot more than expected. But it are. Okay, but really though, when Le- when they come back, who's clicking a pen right now? That's me. Oh, I don't know why I can. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but still, uh, either way, uh, 
when they get down to the nitty-gritty of things in the playoffs, LeBron is coming back allegedly healthy. Anthony Davis could be back allegedly healthy. Do you still expect them to go on the run, or do you expect them to be a bit more a bit more sluggish because they haven't played in a while? I expect them to go on the run. Well, one See, thing it's... one thing that could complicate it is that by the time the playoffs are getting started up, maybe when they're in like the second rounds or the the conference finals, if they make it that far, fans are probably going to be allowed back in arenas because vaccinations will be, we think, readily available by maybe like June ish. So that could definitely change things. Uh, some players on any team that uh, had had been showing out could just lose any bit of fire they had when they go on the road and play in front of fans actually so there's a whole ton of variables to consider uh even outside of the lakers but i do think that if lebron is able to return healthy from this high ankle sprain and he's he's been known to come back from a little injuries like this really strong in the past so I i don't think this one should be any different even with his age uh but if he does come back and contributes at his usual uh level then they should be the favorites in the Western Conference outright. Yeah, that's 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 pretty much what I want. Yeah, Jack. I was just gonna say my only issue with what he said is that if this run with you know uh, cruise control, as you uh, said, <laughs> if this goes poorly and they could drop to maybe a six or seven seed, do you want to play the likes of potentially the Suns, Jazz, or whoever? Well, I said it's wide open, but you, you could end up playing a one-two seed, and I understand it's the Lakers and they could fall, but. Do you, you probably don't want that added pressure in having to be a six seed the entire time or just something lower. Probably not. And, I mean, th- there is the argument to be made that those teams that you mentioned are do not have as much playoff experience. So even if they do get that high seed, they could turn out like the, the Nuggets a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. They had a bunch of young talent, got the two seed, flamed out in the second round. Mm-hmm. So it could be another one of those scenarios. But I, I do definitely agree that for any team, being a six seed definitely complicates your, uh, your path to the championship. Of course, yeah, because you have to play an alleged better team than you. Yeah, but and still. unless you're the Rockets or T-Wolves, you have a shot in this uh, Western Conference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it really does feel wide open right now because you mentioned there's so many good teams here from top to bottom. I mean, all the way down to six, you really have some solid teams. That's the Jazz, Suns, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, and Blazers all in that uh, pack there. But is are the do you think the Jazz are going to be able to separate themselves as the clear-cut favorite by the end of this regular season? Uh, they They could. I, I'm not. I wouldn't bet anything on it. But clear cut favorite for the West. I'm gonna say that. Mm. Not not the NBA, but the, for the West. Even that, I, yeah. I have I have trouble putting something down. I, that's it's really interesting. I could see the Suns if they if they can just hold it down and you know avoid injuries, which has been a big issue in the NBA. If they could just not get in many injuries, hold it down, they could easily take the number one here. Any worry about Chris Paul in playoffs? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's what what usually happens here. Tell me that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Riddle but, me this. But, but he's he's not really the focal point of this team. True, that's it's, true. It's, it's it's been Devin Booker's team. So I mean, we we have yet to see him in a playoff uh, scenario. Would have loved to see him in one of the play-in games yeah, last geez. season. Yes. Even with the uh, the eight and over on, they didn't make it. But ma- this this should be the season, and I'm really excited to see that. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna be a ton of fun. Yeah. I'm I'm extremely excited for this. But is there? Uh, let's let's jump over a little bit to the East because yes, sir. The East is starting to look a bit. The picture is starting to look a bit more clear. I guess you could say because those top three seeds are very much so separated from the rest of the East. And that rest of the East looks right. Looks like right now, your Hawks, Austin, and my Heat sitting at four and five in that order. So. Is there any chance that maybe the Hawks or the Heat, I mean, the Heat are going through some things right now. They they could not find a way to beat the Pacers this past weekend, but <laughs> is there any way someone can find a way to crack that top three again, or are they just out there and no one's touching them anymore? 
if it is going to be someone, I don't think it's the Hawks. And th- that could come as a shock, but they uh, just started an eight-game Western Conference road trip. They, uh, I, I had chalked this Lakers game up as a loss. That was before LeBron went down. Uh, by the way, Solomon Hill had no ill intentions on that play, <laughs> uh, diving at LeBron's legs. He was just going for the ball. Uh, but anyway, uh, they have an eight-game Western Conference road trip. They play the Clippers tonight, play the Suns, Kings, Nuggets. Uh, you name a Western Conference team, the Hawks probably play them over the next uh, month or so, half a month, really. Uh, so I, I fully expect this team to take a little bit of a dip in the standings. Uh, the rest of their schedule from there on out is pretty light, so they could work their way back up to the four seed, but mm-hmm. it, I, I don't really have any faith in them to crack that top three, especially with the sort of separation that is there right now. I yeah. think the big three is a lock, yeah. but if you, mm-hmm. but four through eight places separated by a game and a half. Mm. So a Hawks, Hawks go on a two-game losing streak. They go from a four seed potentially to even an eight or nine seed. So with this East with this East right now, you you can't put your money on anybody, and I wouldn't put it on Atlanta because they're on an eight-game winning streak, but all winning streaks come to an end. I don't expect yeah. that. I don't see that going further into the postseason. Yeah, people have said this winning streak could just be a result of the team like playing well now that Lloyd Pierce is gone. There, yeah. There's a there, there's a term for it. It's like a dead coach something. Uh, like teams go on a winning streak when they fire a head coach, get some new blood in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you obviously can't maintain this eight-game winning streak the rest of the way, and this this Western Conference road trip is going to prove that. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I do expect the the Nate McMillan led Hawks to be a lot better down the road than uh, the Lloyd Pierce alternative. Feeling Let better me... about the playoffs for them. That's for yes, sure. Yes. Because the Heat, Celtics, and Knicks are kind of treading water right now. They're mm-hmm. kind of in, kind of been average and. You can count the Hornets out, that's for sure. Lamelo's yeah. gone; they're they're done. And then those last spots, like the Bulls, the the Pacers, the Raptors, they could they could make some noise, and then everyone else below, and you can just count them out, really. I want to see that young Bulls team get into the playoffs. Yes. That'd be, be a good. lot of they fun. They haven't made playoffs in forever. Yeah, exactly. I'm I would be excited for that one. The Pacers, obviously, the Hornets. I think you guys are right; they're going to fall off the face of the earth. Heat might be able to get Kyle Lowry from the Raptors, so who knows what goes down there. It could be Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero heading over across the state. But uh, it's still going to be interesting going forward here. I want to give you guys an update, though. FSU basketball, 9-7 to right now. Actually, whoops, I'm on ESP. I flipped over to ESPN rather than the stream. It's 9-9. to FSU is shooting 3-for-5 from beyond the arc. Wow, Colorado, 1-for-4. Okay. Oh, okay, so so a reversal of fortune here. Ha, That's crazy. Regression to the mean, my friends. It always works. <laughs> but still, FSU, they're, they got to start uh, putting the clamps down on defense and actually being able to string together scoring runs because... Yes. That's something that we did not see a lot of out of them this past weekend here. So we'll see, kind of see how that goes moving forward. But there are, are there any last thoughts on the NBA? Anything? Any trades that you might want to see happen? Because I know that deadline is this week. I would like to see John Collins stay put. You have you have a contender. I don't care what you move him for. If a team offers you six first round picks, don't do it. You are trying to win now. The message this off season was this past off season was win now. Six first-round picks does not contribute to that. What about win later? Win later sounds pretty good, too. I don't care about later. <laughs> I could be dead later. Now. I want to see them win now. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Jack, you got anything for any trades that you might want to see or might not want to see happen? Uh, nothing that he hasn't said as a Hawks fan, but, um, <laughs> yeah, as long as John Collins stays put, Trey Young is still cooking. Yes, sir. It's going to be good. <laughs> yeah, you guys can you guys can find some sauce now that the Hawks have now solidified themselves, at least in the middle tier and for now, but East. again, that that one point five uh, game and a half, you scary. can fall off the you can fall off into the playing games. So. It really it really is scary. That's why I'm worried about the Heat because like nothing, no one is safe in this part of like the East. But maybe that's okay to tread water then. I, I I'd rather the Hawks be as 
an eight game win streak, what's the consistency? Mm-hmm. Hopefully, this doesn't turn into a eight game losing streak, which <laughs> I have seen as a Hawks fan. Yeah. So. Yes, I don't think I don't think anyone has not never seen that out of their basketball team before because I think that's just the nature of the game. But mm-hmm. very few fans have seen a twenty game losing streak like the Rockets have going on right now. Very few fans have had seen a twenty game winning streak like my Miami Heat did. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. There we go. Got that one. Still, you gotta feel sorry for the just the city of Houston. Oh my goodness, it's twenty tough. game losing. Yeah, gee, it really not does. Not just hurt. the Rock, but just all of their teams. I don't Every feel bad. Team. I don't feel bad about the Astros. Screw them. They deserve well, it. They deserve everything that comes to them. But Texans. Texans, Texans, I do feel bad about. Yes, yeah. it's every. It's once the Astros got found out for cheating, the city of Houston sports went down yes. fast. So that maybe, maybe if you're looking at Houston playing this week uh, in their NCAA game, maybe hedge that one a little bit there. <laughs> uh, just, just a tip, uh, just a little tip right there going forward. It's theirs forward. to lose. It's there for the taking. I guess so. But here, one last update before we end the show tonight. Colorado is up eleven to nine at no. the under twelve timeout. Uh, in Indianapolis in that second round game for FSU. They got a lot of basketball left to play. If you're an FSU fan, my word of recommendation would be just to relax. It's going to be okay. It'll be fine. But anyways, that is it for our show tonight. We will be back next Monday, 7 p.m. Like always, we'll be talking FSU uh, NCAA tournament results. We'll be talking... Uh, a lot of other sports too, because we got a lot going on at FSU. I mean, MLB opening days in ten oh days. Oh my yes. goodness! Yeah, I, we don't have. Yeah. It feels like we haven't had any time to budge them into anywhere. But I, we will next week because get a nice preview. Now that FSU, FSU men's could be over for basketball, FSU women's could be over for basketball. So we got a lot of space opening up on that end. So get ready. For my Marlins takes because oh, I am no, coming. No, yeah, no. a playoff Marlins team coming into a full regular season. And name something more dangerous. I'm just happy I'm a Braves fan. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> at sure. Least, at least our dreams are coming into fruition. <laughs> when was the last time you guys won a World Series? Exactly. Ooh, I, I was gonna say ooh, tread, tread carefully. Ooh, yeah. That, I always have that one right there. That's a nice sucker punch for anyone. You know what? As an Atlanta from Atlanta, I probably shouldn't say anything. Yeah. Exactly. No, you, you have learned quickly. Yes. No. Very. Yeah. You'll learn fast around here. But either way, thank you again for listening to this episode of Tomahawk Talk. For myself, for Austin, for Jack, and for Sebastian, we thank you again for listening in, and we'll be back next week. Test. Uh, test negative. Stay <laughs> positive. I almost said. I almost said it reversed. I almost did it, but I didn't. But either way, we'll see you next week.